1: What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome to the week before training camp uh, edition uh, of the podcast. We're going to have a couple podcasts this week, actually, the live show uh, on Wednesday night. We're really excited about uh, Kevin Smith, who is now the running backs coach at the uh, University of Mississippi, formerly at Florida Atlantic, very close with Devin Singletary. We're going to have him on the show on Wednesday night. We're looking forward to that. But I am joined, as always, by my man, Ryan Talbot. And if you follow him on Twitter, he posted a video from a, a little getaway that he and his family had yesterday to a nice little waterfall. And I was impressed with the waterfall, Ryan, don't get me wrong, but I might've been more impressed with those guns that you had out at, at, at the water. That was some, some pretty impressive work. So you've been, what do we at here? I feel like we're chronicling this. How many, how many pounds <laughs> are you down?
0: Yeah, we're getting close to the 60 pound point. Um, so you know, now, now it's probably about maintaining and building muscles. So I don't know if you're going to see me dip much further than that, but yeah, thank you. Wiscoi Falls, a nice little hidden gem in this area.
1: It's amazing because, you know, both of us kind of share back and forth, uh, you know, during this quarantine period, we both started to really just kind of get out and and work on our, uh, our, our health because, you know, you got to go crazy in this environment. Like, you know, it's been usually by now we would have had an OTAs and a mini camp and, you know, all this different stuff that, you know, both of us do with, you know, two, two young kids, uh, you know, in, in the community and and different things that we're used to, we just don't have. So, uh, I I definitely recommend, you know, if, if if you feel like, especially during the quarantine period where you've maybe gained some weight, it's never too late. I mean, we're both in our late thirties and Kind of getting after it, and it's it 's been refreshing for me at least
0: no i I agree completely. It was definitely something that needed to be done, but now i 'm really enjoying it getting out early in the mornings, going on runs, doing things in the house that you can do with weights, the ellipticals, stuff like that so you 're right, never too late so
1: we wanted to drop an early week podcast because for several reasons you know we 're starting to do our Um, positional previews for training camp, and you can head over to Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com anytime and go check those out. Um, But I wanted a a component to go with that, an audio component, and and I thought that I I landed on a a pretty fun idea. I said, Ryan, let's rank the position groups for the Bills from best to worst, Um, you know, eight position groups, how we feel like in terms of uh, overall depth and, and quality of position, where the Bills rank at each position. And we'll go, I thought we'd go eight to one on this one and just talk a little bit about, you know, where our thoughts are. And we agreed on, on, a, on a lot of them. I uh, have a couple disagreements and we'll get into those, but let's start at number eight, where we both had the tight end position. And I'll let you start, Ryan. Why did you have the tight ends uh, ranked as the, uh, you know, the bottom of the barrel here?
0: I just think that it's mostly because we don't know what we have in this tight end unit. Dawson Knox flashed so much talent, so much potential uh, last season, but he also was third in the NFL in drops. And when you look at the, the two players ahead of him, those two players had significantly more targets than he did. So he didn't make the most of those opportunities. And he's admitted it's a concentration thing. He was kind of thinking one step ahead. But you need to actually see him put it together. Then you have Tyler Croft, who the Bills spent big money on last year in free agency, more than I thought they were going to go out and pay for the uh, proven tight end, at least of that. And went through a lot of injuries last year, had a clutch touchdown in the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night game, but who knows what we're getting there. Um, I'm a big Tommy Sweeney guy, but this is a loaded roster. There's no off-season training. I don't know if that benefits a Tommy Sweeney, if it benefits a Lee Smith. Uh, a a guy that at this point is just purely a blocker. Maybe he'll catch one or two touchdown passes is kind of like a, a guy that runs a route late that no one's guarding, but there's just so much uncertainty at the position in terms of who's going to end up making it uh, and what you're going to get in terms of overall production.
1: Yeah. I think that this is a big time prove it year for a, a bunch of these tight ends. And you mentioned Tommy Sweeney and Dawson Knox and Listen, you go back to last year and what Dawson Knox was able to do in his rookie season after almost no production at Ole Miss as a receiver, uh, and it was impressive. I mean, he put together one of the, you know, maybe, you know, top 10 tight end seasons in, in Bill's history. You, th- you go back and look at the Bill's tight ends over the last three decades, and there's a lot to be desired with that group of players. And even going back to the Super Bowl days, I mean, uh, you know, guys that stand out to me, guys like Jay Reemersma and... Uh, uh, Scott Chandler. I mean, these are these are guys that just don't. They just don't really elicit uh, feelings of great memories. And, and you know, I think in, in this day and age, if you can find yourself a tight end that can really become a weapon in the passing game, your offense kind of goes to that next level. We've seen it in San Francisco with George Kittle, Travis Kelsey and Kansas City. And now, I don't know if Dawson, what what the ceiling on Dawson Knox is, but you said it the best. There's so much unknown with this group. And even a guy like Jason Kroon, who spent all of last season kind of out of the picture, who's to say that he can't make a run at a roster spot this next couple of weeks? He's got the continuity in terms of being a part of the program. Let's see how he's developed as a blocker. We know that he can catch the ball, and they like him as a receiver. Uh, he played receiver in college a little bit. So I think that this group is, is interesting, but I think that it's a good thing that you could take a group like this and a player like Dawson Knox and place it at number eight and be comfortable with it because it says a lot about where things stand at the rest of the roster. And number seven, you know, I think this one's going to be a little bit maybe disappointing for some fans. um, But we both had the quarterbacks here and you know, my main reason for this is because not so much Josh Allen, but maybe what's behind Josh Allen. Um, I, I'm not so sure that I'm, a big believer in Jake Fromm at this level. I think that the arm issues are concerning. Uh, there's been some other off the field concerns with him. So I'm not, So without any preseason games, Jake Fromm's 2020 outlook seems very bleak to me. And that leaves you with Davis Webb, who to me is very intriguing, but again, an unknown uh, commodity because he just hasn't gotten the reps. But Matt Barkley, I think, where he had that really good game in 2018, I thought that he left a lot to be desired when he was in the game uh, at any point in, in 2019, and I think that we've just seen what he's able to do, and I think that there's there might be um, better options at that position. I mean, you mentioned a guy like Colin Kaepernick, and I don't want to set a, a Bill's Mafia ablaze here with a hot take, but you know, that's a guy that seems to me like somebody would be like the – The the perfect backup quarterback to to a Josh Allen, but uh, why did you have the Bills at number seven or the quarterbacks at number seven?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a mix of a lot of what you said there. We we we've seen from Matt Barkley that if you need him in a spot, maybe it's a quarter, maybe it's a game, he might be able to lead you to a victory, keep you in it. But that's not a guy that you want uh, starting long term if something happens to your starter. Now, you know, and and I don't want to knock on Barkley too much here because if you look around the league. There's not even 32 quality starting quarterbacks in this league. There's a lot of guys that are going to be out of jobs during this season. A guy like Mitch Trubisky in Chicago could be replaced by Nick Foles. And the list goes on and on. There's a lot of other positions. So there's just always been a quarterback shortage in this league in terms of quality play for whatever reason. Uh, but Matt Barkley, Davis Webb, who at one point was a early day three pick, I believe, for the Giants uh, early in his career, really he fit in terms of his skill set versus Josh Allen's but Barkley doesn't fit with Allen either in that same regard no one really does or few quarterbacks do with Allen and, and then when it comes to Allen himself I think you and I both agree that he showed a lot of promise in year two he made great strides from year one to year two but there's still a long way to go for him to be that undisputed franchise quarterback for the Buffalo Bills
1: yeah and I think with with Josh too, it comes down to what we've talked about. And we've, we've had plenty of podcasts and videos where we've discussed this. I want to see the consistency from him where, you know, it's not a game of, of these highs and these lows and a lot of kind of monotony in the middle. I mean, there, there was a lot of those moments last year and a big piece of the, the comeback, um, numbers that Josh Allen has put up is because he's put himself in some bad positions with some, some, some not great play uh, at times. So I'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent. I think that he has the weapons around him and, and listen, we talked about this too. Like just the way that they've built around him and set him up for success. I think just that in and of itself You know, if I was, if you really, you know, push me on it, I might be willing to, you know, put the quarterbacks up a notch or two just because of him. Because I think that there is a real chance for him to be great this year. And it comes down to the coaching staff, the system, you know, Stefan Diggs, all those little things, but you see the confidence level in him. You know, I was watching, uh, I didn't, I've only watched the first five minutes of it. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing yet, but the Bills put out that captain's corner video with Jack Eichel and Josh Allen recently. And I just was watching it and it wasn't an interview that I was doing. So I was able to kind of just sit there and watch him. And I just think that like the Josh Allen that came into the league in 2018 and just his mannerisms, the way that he carried himself um, to the Josh Allen of 2020, he just looks so much more comfortable in his skin and almost like he knows what has to be done to be the guy that everybody hopes here that he's going to be, but also the stuff outside of, of football, the time he spent with guys like Tony Romo and Brett Favre and Peyton Manning was in a a zoom meeting with him this offseason. He's getting some great mentorship from guys that have had success in this league and are showing him the things that he needs to work on to get better. And so I think that, yeah, this, you could, we could be talking in week eight of this season, as weird of a season it's probably going to look uh, about this quarterback group really skyrocketing up these rankings.
0: Yeah. If Josh plays at a high level, you're right. That unit will definitely go up a a few spots here in the rankings. Uh, I don't know what the ceiling would be because there are a few elite units on, on this team and some really, really good units as well. But you're right. Allen has that potential. He showed that he could really get that intermediate game. Uh, his accuracy in that area now, thinking of that ball, which he's been working on with Jordan Palmer and, and a few other quarterbacks. And then the sky is the limit for Allen and also this quarterback room.
1: All right, so here's where uh, our disagreements begin. And so at number six, um, I rank the offensive line. Uh, you you rank the running backs. Um, so l- let's start with you here. Give me a little insight and in, in why you went that direction because the next three are kind of going to be Actually, all the way up to number two are going to be a little bit all over the place.
0: Yeah. Uh, When when it comes to the running backs, it's mostly just because there's a lot of unknown there. And we we saw what Devin Singletary could do, but he had a limited workload last year. Frank Gore was the guy early on in the season. Uh, They were easing Singletary, in, then he had a hamstring injury against the Giants. And by the end of the year, he took over that role, and he played very well. Was an elusive back, uh, was, was a better receiver than advertised, did a lot of good things. But then you look at what's behind him, and Zach Moss, I'm a huge Zach Moss fan from, from what I saw from him out of college, but he's one of those players that I think is going to be hurt by this shortened offseason, by the fact that there's not going to be a, a preseason by the looks of it, because it, it looks like the league proposed a zero preseason pitch to the players, which is what the players want. And, and yes, Zach Moss is going to have a training camp, he's going to be able to get in there but the Bills might bring him along even slower than they did Singletary one year ago. So Singletary might be the guy, and I think he can be the guy, but you want to have that complementary back that can, can take on a bigger workload sooner rather than later. You have T.J. Yeldon, who, like you've said many times, did everything that was asked of him last year. He he kind of sat there inactive a lot, many weeks. Uh, because the Bills loved what Gore brought to that locker room, brought to the field from a leadership and a playing uh, perspective. But we still don't know exactly what we can get out of him. He he had some flashes during his Jacksonville days. He had some bumbling issues as well. Uh, And then obviously when you talk to the backs, you're talking about the fullback position as well. Patrick DeMarco is not the same. Patrick DeMarco, that was on those Falcons teams that he played on. Uh, And then you have a guy like Reggie Gilliam, who I think in a regular offseason – could have taken that spot and he still has a shot to take that fullback job but it's going to be a, a much harder climb for him uh, in 2020 considering how things are going to look leading up to roster cuts
1: so the I have the offensive line here and you know a big reason for this is because I really really like the way that Brandon Bean has built this offensive line I mean you talk about um, the The guys that he's been able to bring in and the, in, in the contracts that he's given, guys like you know journeyman veterans like Quentin Spain and John Feliciano and um, Spencer Long. I mean, these are really, really good, significant moves that have bolstered this offensive line. And I think that you have two, you know, borderline blue-chippers in in Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris at center, and then you have the the, the high second-round draft pick in Cody Ford, but there are question marks still for this group, and I and I went back recently and I watched a couple of the the big time games from last year. You know, the Baltimore game, the Houston Texans, um, and there was there were breakdowns on this offensive line. And i I've been very um, I've been very high on this unit as a whole, to even to the point where I didn't really criticize Brandon for not going out and getting. Uh, a free agent uh, addition uh, or maybe a higher profile free agent addition than, than Daryl Williams, who we brought in from Carolina, who struggled last year playing four positions uh, or, or, or going in the draft again and going after another player for some depth. I do like the pieces here. I just think if we're talking about a power ranking situation, I think that there was enough last year in terms of concerns where with the offensive line where I think that there's work to be done in 2020 to bolster this thing up. If everything plays out, if Cody Ford is um, a little bit closer consistently to the good Cody Ford that we saw at times last year, like when he went up against Von Miller uh, in Denver, like he went up against Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas, those kinds of, of games could really be a springboard for him. And he could become a good, you know, even more so than a serviceable, but maybe a good right tackle. Then we're talking about moving this group, up a little bit but I had him at six just because I think they need to come together a little bit more and I want to see it before they they shoot up more I want to see the protection uh, a little bit better but from a run blocking perspective and I, maybe you could flip this thing here because I had the running backs at five and a big reason for that was because of Devin Singletary's performance as a rookie last year I mean leading the league in yards per carry at 5.4 tie with the Derrick Henry uh, on the season I just going back and watching him and just the way that he runs with the football and, and what he offers you you know as an offensive coordinator because a play is never over when the ball is in his hands and and I, I really like Devin Singletary and the upside for him this year I think that Zach Moss is almost that perfect compliment and you know we've talked on this podcast also about how high I am uh, on TJ Yeldon but you, you went a different way and you're pretty high on the offensive line. And, you know, I'll let you talk about that in a minute, but you had the linebackers here at number five.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that's going to stun some people because the bills do have two studs at the linebacker position in Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. But after that, I don't know what to expect from this unit. I think AJ Klein can be a service, uh, serviceable replacement for Lorenzo Alexander. when they play in that base defense, I think he can contribute on special teams. But then you look at the depth, and it's is it Corey Thompson that's gonna step up? They liked him last year. We don't know what we have in Vashan Joseph, who was a draft pick a year ago, and he, he didn't play at all last season, was on the IR. Um, you have guys like Tyrell Dodson and Tyler Matakevich, who is gonna be an outstanding addition to the special teams unit. But I don't know if he is going to be the number the the top backup at a certain position or how that's going to work you know I was reading a lot on him after the signing and it almost seemed more like bad luck than not a belief in Tyler Madakevich every time he was like next in line to be a potential starter they went out and signed someone they drafted someone high and maybe that is because they didn't believe in Madakevich who knows but he just never had that opportunity to grow so I just don't know what you have in terms of depth in terms of what you're going to even get out of Klein this year. And and Klein's a serviceable linebacker, like I said, uh, but doesn't necessarily jump off the page. I I still think Lorenzo Alexander, uh, at his age last year, probably was going to bring more or brought more to that defense than what maybe Klein can bring. But, you know, I, I could be wrong there. It's just after those top two, I feel like the linebacker position falls off a real cliff and i think that that's
1: that's 100% fair and i'll talk a little bit about why i had the linebackers you know ranked at number 4 but uh i think that the offensive line is interesting because i i really do think that there, it could go one of two ways right now we're looking at at what happened last season uh and the way that that kind of unit performed pretty admirably i mean considering the fact that they had four new starters and Uh, the way that they kind of came together and and Bobby Johnson, we talked about how good of a job that he did last year, but you know, if a few things don't happen, there's a chance for that offensive line to be a a weak point on this team. And I mean, if Cody Ford doesn't develop, if um, John Feliciano doesn't take another step forward, if Mitch Morris, it doesn't really live up to that contract because there were times last year where I thought he was really good, really good. Everything that, as advertised, I thought, man, this is Miss Morris, man. He's great. He had some injuries. He had the concussion. He had a couple games he had to leave. But I, and maybe you'll disagree here. I'm not so sure that he was, from a playing perspective, you know, what they were hoping for all
0: the time last year. See, I, I have been to disagree with that because I think not only in terms of the blocking, because you're right, he he did some like really great things where he'd come out and he'd pull and he uh, in terms of blocking, but. He also made life so much easier from Josh, and I think that was one of the big reasons that they wanted to make him the highest-paid center is we have this young quarterback, who when he gets up there to the line, you know, for a certain amount of time, um, Brian Dable can talk into Josh's headset and say, here's what I see. And I think that's why sometimes last year Josh was rushing up to the line so Dable could kind of diagnose what he was seeing and help Josh. But when that can't happen, you have a guy like Mitch Morse, and then you have John Feliciano next to him that are calling things out Saying, letting Josh know, you know, look out for this, look out for that, and that helps your young quarterback. And I, I really do think in that perspective, he was worth every penny. Uh, yeah, I love the offensive line, and I had them at number uh, and number four on my list. And I was trying to figure out a way to actually get him higher because I've said it time and time again: this is not the best unit in the NFL, but I think it's the deepest. You go from left to right. Deion Dawkins made great strides last year after a down year in his second season he i don't want to say he didn't take things seriously in year two but he kind of said i understood kind of what it meant to be in you know what it means to be in the nfl and i have to kind of go up to that next level and he did last year and if he does that again the bills are going to have to pay him a significant amount of money to have him come back and i think that they're willing to do so as long as he continues to grow you had quentin spain who did not give up a sack last year now you know run blocking maybe hit and miss here and there Uh, but overall A really good left guard, and then to be able to re-sign him for three years, $15 especially based on what some of these other players were getting in free agency, great deal by Brendan Bean. We've talked about Morse. You mentioned Feliciano. Feliciano, I think his play fell off a little bit last year, but I think he was dealing with an injury as well late in the season, and I think that's going to happen to a lot of players. If they're dealing with an injury, they're not playing at their highest level. But when he was completely healthy early in the year, I thought he was one of the most pleasant surprises on this entire team. He was playing at an extremely high level. And then Ford, uh, I, I was talking with someone that's worked with Ford this summer in terms of like working out. And he said, don't be surprised if he's the Bills most improved player this season. He said he's put that much time and work into it. And I mentioned in the offensive line piece, you know, and I know Ford started off this season injured, so he didn't get off to a quick start this year either in terms of training. But last year was college football playoffs, the combine, the pro days, the thir- uh, top 30 visits, private workouts that's a huge gap of time where you don't get to really train like you normally would because you're focused on interviewing with these teams, these, uh, these teams that are looking to draft you. So once he's healed up, he's had time to kind of put that work in. Uh, he's definitely embraced Buffalo, which doesn't really mean much in terms of on play or on the field play, but I think he is going to make some major strides. And then you talk about this depth Ty Inseki. when tying secchi was on the field last year, I thought he was great. It's just a matter of staying healthy. And we, we've we talked all about, you know, these shortened off seasons, how it's going to hurt a lot of players. It might benefit a Ty Inseki who, you know, mid-30s, he doesn't have to worry about that wear and tear of the preseason. He has a shortened training camp, no OTAs. He, he might actually be close to 100% when this regular season begins, and he could be a, a key contributor uh, coming in and spelling a, a guy like Cody Ford. And, and you know, I'm going to touch upon Daryl Williams. I think they're going to keep him on that right side of the line, whether it's guard or tackle, where he's better suited. He's going to be a valuable addition. Evan Baim is one of those guys that started eight games last year, has a lot of starting experience. Spencer Long, Ike Botger, a guy like that they liked enough to put on their 53-man roster last year, even though he didn't play a lot. There's so much young talent. Um, Bates, Ryan Bates, that they traded for last year. The list goes on and on. So, yeah, if one of their starters goes down and you have to call up one of these unproven guys absolutely. It could lead to disaster, but there's so much talent and overall depth that I had, I had them as high as number four on my list.
1: All right. You convinced me I'm moving them up to five. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, the, the, the thing about rankings and power rankings that they're so subjective and they're so, uh, ever changing. I mean, uh, the, the real basic backing to my point here is that i just think that there's a lot to prove on this offensive line and i think a lot of the success of this offensive line will be paired with the success of josh allen and i think some of the things that you want to see josh allen get better at he's going to need this offensive line to improve and be the unit that you know the way you just laid out that they have the potential to be and i but for me until they do that i'm not willing to move them up but hey The best conversations are when there's disagreements because who who wants agreement all the time? It'd be boring for four for number me, for, for number me, (laughs) number four, for me, you have the offensive line. This is where I put the linebackers and I had them up a slot from where you had them at number five. And the biggest reason, obviously uh, for me here is Tremaine Edmonds. And this is a guy that just turned 22 years old, is going into his third season, as crazy as that is to believe. I think that he is the closest Bills player to be on the cusp of, of, of all pro status, whether it be second team, first team. I, I looked at his splits with uh, Luke Kuechly last year between him and Luke Kuechly. And, man, I know that this, it was his last season, Luke's, and, but he still was an uh, all-pro player last year. Uh, and, and I think that Tremaine Emmons isn't far off from that. I mean, it's just about getting to a mental space to be able to read the game at the speed at which it's played. And I think that for a lot of last season and a lot of big moments last year, he was, he was game for the challenge. And I think that he is, a, he is, he is ready to be a superstar and, and the leader of this defense and all those things. And all, all, for all of those reasons, I, I, I elevated the linebacker spot even without the um you know the depth that is definite, it's not definite depth. we don't know like you mentioned there's a lot of question marks, but let me let me mention these few things first of all, Matt Milano, I don't want to downplay him at all. he's in a contract year, he's going to be probably out there, all guns blazing. Play- playing for you know a big big money deal this year and I think that he can have a huge season you talk about the addition of Josh Norman in the secondary this defensive line which we'll get to you in in a second EJ Gaines back in the mix also you 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 figure that those two units are going to be even better in 2020 and I think that that's just going to make life for Matt Milano a guy that he's kind of that at times a little bit of a roamer a guy that you know you could you could send to rush the passer he'll be out in coverage but all the talent around him, I think, makes him even better, and I think he can have a monster season. So you got those two pieces. I think take AJ Klein out of it. I think what you mentioned was perfect. He'll be what they're asking him to be. Come in here and do. I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he'll be he'll be just fine. Corey Thompson and Matt Milano, to me, are the examples of why I trust that the Bills made the right decisions in guys like. Um, Bashan Joseph and Tyrell Dotson. And I think that their upside to me is, is still pretty high considering that this regime drafted them. And, I, and if you go through position by position and you look at the draft picks that, this, that these guys have made, they, there's not a lot of swing and misses. You know what I mean? Most guys that they've selected have a role on this team. Even, even in the secondary where you look at a guy like Saran Neal and a guy like Taryn Johnson, afterthoughts, in that draft from 2018 who could have pretty significant roles on this team this year. So I like linebacker a lot. I like, even with the question marks, I still think that there's enough talent at the position to um, kind of surround Tremaine and Matt with, with, with the kind of players that make up for the number four spot on this, on this power rankings list, but we'll move on to the top three because this is, this is the big, uh, this is the marquee uh, edition of the podcast, this is what you all came to see. So let's go with number three. We'll start with you. And, and where did you go here?
0: I went with the defensive line here, and this was a tough decision. Two and three are interchangeable. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, two and three are starting with the defensive line number three. I, I think that the Bills are better off than they were a year ago, and, and that's saying something because they lost Shaq Lawson and they lost Jordan Phillips. But that said, you still have to acknowledge those losses, and those were the top two uh, for the Bills last year in terms of sacks, getting after the quarterback. But they went out and, and they they added Mario Addison, who we've talked many times, nine sacks on average over the last four years, or no less than nine sacks, I should say, over the last four years. Um, they went out and they added a Quentin Jefferson, who I think is going to be a movable chess piece inside outside for them early on that had more pressures. Uh, than Jordan Phillips. Now it didn't result in sacks like it did for Phillips, but more quarterback pressures in less quarterback, um, in less passing, you know, scenarios. So he's a, he's going to be a good player in that regard. They add AJ Apaneza in, in the draft. You have Vernon Butler. They, they added a lot of pieces that I think those pieces together are going to offset those losses, and I think the Bills are in a better place. Uh, you still have Jerry Hughes who was not 100% last year dealt an injury all year and when he is healthy great player no doubt about it at Oliver Oliver started slow last year ended on a strong high note the more and more 2020 goes on I'm starting to think that maybe his suspension will not be this season because I, I don't think you're going to be able to necessarily get through the entire legal process before this season begins so I think they might be in the clear there, but I want to see him take that next step. I want to see more of the second half of regular season at Oliver over the entire course of the year. And you know, Star Lotulale, I know he's kind of a punching bag for the Bills Mafia because maybe he he hasn't come close to the amount that he's getting paid, but he does his job and he does it uh, well. So there's a lot of talent across the starting you know the starting four, and then there's some depth there as well. Um, so that's why I went that route now for number three, for you, you went with the wide receiver position. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I did. And uh, I'll talk about why
1: I I pushed the D lineup and why I'm so uh, high on them. But I think with the receiver position, you know, this was a tough call. Like you said, I mean, this is a group we, we, by the end of 2020, if things play right for the bills, we could be talking about a top three, unit in the league at wide receiver. I mean, that's unbelievable to go from 2018, the Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin bills to now what the bills have in, in Stefan Diggs, John Brown and Cole Beasley. And it, it it's perfect team building. Really? I mean, let's, I mean, I hate to sit here and stand for uh, Brandon Bean too much. And we give him a lot of credit on this show, but I think that it's hard not to, I mean, look at the job that he's done in constructing this team. I mean, Cole Beasley and John Brown if you go back to free agency last year you know both of us liked the moves but there wasn't a lot of national love for those moves i i, I didn't think you know one of the big talking points when Cole Beasley came here is what what good is he going to be for Josh Allen because he's a guy that you know works on separation he's a small target um, Josh Allen is an accurate but look what happened. He comes here, has a career season, scores the most touchdowns he's ever scored in his career. John Brown, career year in yardage and receptions. And so now you've developed that combination and what you're doing is you're adding into the mix a Stefan Diggs, who's an arguably fringe top five receiver in the league. And I just think that he is scheme-proof. Anything that you're trying to do, a guy like Stefan Diggs is going to work in that scheme because of his route running ability, his separation ability, his speed, his quickness, his toughness, uh his feet, everything about him. I mean, you just watch his you just watch his uh, workout videos online. I mean, that's all we have to do right now during quarantine, right? The last couple months and it's just the talent jumps off the screen at you. I still kind of, you know, a, a lot of experts wrote that the Bills gave a lot to get him, but I'm still shocked that Minnesota gave him up because he just is a game changer. He's a guy that Immediately makes your 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 offense that much better, and he gives the the Bills a chance and Brian Dable a chance to finally coach run a top fifteen offense in this league. And I think that all excuses are gone now. Unfortunately for Josh and Brian, because you know for them they've done a lot of good things, but there's a lot there's been a lot that fans have wanted to see that they haven't seen yet, and so now. All those excuses are gone. I had the wide receivers at number three. We could talk a little bit about um, some of these other players that are going to be in for the fight of their life for a roster spot because I think it was John Scott and Sal Capaccio that put out a nice little uh, video this this past week where they talked about, man, who is going to earn these, these what, two other spots available? Because you figure Audrey Roberts is going to have – Uh, that kick returner spot locked down. He can play a little receiver. They drafted two rookies and then they have three guys that they've really liked for the last year to two years and Duke Williams, Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie. Um, And we'll talk about those guys in a minute, but before we get there, let's go back to the defensive line and why I have them at number two, because you have the receivers at number two and we'll segue into that. I think that, you know, you mentioned the depth of, of, of the offensive line. I think the depth of this defensive line is just scary good. And I think that what you can do, you know, it's almost like this Sean McDermott's been this uh, mad scientist. I know that uh, I, I believe it was Isaiah McKenzie who called Brian Dable that last year during the training camp. But it's almost like Sean McDermott's been mad scientist uh, in the way that he's developed this defensive line or or, or put it together because now – you have so many potential combinations, and I can't wait to listen to some of the the real film experts break down some of these first initial games. You know the Joe Bees of the worlds, the Cover Ones, all these guys that really jump into the film. Because what can Sean McDermott do with the options of Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, AJ and Quentin Jefferson, and no, and then again on the inside, Star Lotulelei, Harrison Phillips, Ed Oliver, who. I think is poised to have a breakout season, be an absolute superstar uh, because he needed that first season to learn a little bit. I think I, you know, he came in pretty cocky. We've talked about that too. And I think that what he learned, he'll be able to apply in year two. And I, and I really like about this defensive line, the fringe pieces that are going to be fighting for roster spots are guys that we thought last year we're like, how are they going to cut these guys? Mike Love before the injury. Daryl Johnson, who made the roster. I mean, there is just talent from from the top of this this list to the bottom of this list. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Trent Murphy yet, who I think also has a chance to threaten. Check this out, Ryan. Bold prediction, hot take. I think Trent Murphy's gonna make this roster, and I think that he is going to th- make a run of 10 sacks this season. I think that. What they've put around him, it, I think you could have two, I think you could have two 10 plus sack defensive ends in 2020. How crazy am I? Talk me off this ledge.
0: You know, it, it is a bold prediction, and it is maybe borderline crazy, but if you get end of the year, Trent Murphy, that might not be so bold. Uh, two sacks in the playoff game, two sacks. Uh, against the Jets, one against the Steelers on that Sunday night game. There's five sacks in what, like, well, in three games there, but I think it was over the course of four weeks. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that somebody just suddenly clicked for him, but he was probably completely healthy. It probably helped he was going against some of those offensive lines of the Jets and the, the uh, Texans, no doubt about it. But you're right, there's going to be starting talent or elite talent across the board on that defensive line that's going to make life easy for all four of those pieces. Whoever it is, however Sean McDermott wants to line them up. So uh, a guy like Murphy coming in and getting ten sacks is very bold. But you know, it wasn't that many years ago where we've ha- we've had it happen before. Where a guy like Lorenzo Alexander, his first season here, no one expected him for the most part to come in and get double digit sacks, and he did that as kind of a pass rusher off the edge. Um, So it can happen. These, these players that maybe are written off or people aren't really thinking about can definitely step up and, and really uh, reestablish their value in, in terms of not only with the bills, because Murphy's entering the last year of his deal. So reestablishing his value, possibly going into free agency in, in 2021.
1: And I think it tells you something too, about all the options that the bills had and still have, I mean, Jadavian Clowney's still out there. Everson Griffin's still out there. They can save $8.5 by cutting Trent Murphy. And they're, it looks like they're going to ride with him. And I think that that tells you something about what they believe he can still do. We had Lorenzo Alexander on the podcast a couple uh, months ago. And he stood up and, and talked a little bit about what he thinks Trent Murphy can do in his defense. And that's a guy that I'm going to always defer to, to a guy like that and, and, and his take on the situation. I know he's close to... Uh, the team and he predicted the Bills should be uh, playing for an AFC title this year, but he's been in it. He's seen it. He knows what Trent Murphy brings as a potential pass rusher. And I think to your point um, that you made on Ty and Saki, I think that also goes for Trent Murphy, a guy that, you know, has been working his way back to health. He doesn't have to deal with a preseason. He can maybe hit the ground running, you know, in the first week, build himself into uh, you know, where he feels comfortable and, I really like Trent Murphy, but you got the receivers at number two where I had the D-line. There's a lot of interesting storylines past these top three guys. Well, you must see a lot of talent there with those five, six guys to put them at number two.
0: Yeah, well, you know, again, going back and forth on two and three, I think it was the Stefan Diggs superstar factor that had me end up putting the wide receiver position at number two. And you kind of talked about you were surprised that the Vikings actually – uh, gave up digs or traded digs, and and I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening this year because as good as Adam Thielen is, one of the reasons he was so good is defenses had to know where Stefan Diggs was at all times. That's not necessarily going to be the case in 2020 when it's Justin Jefferson across from Adam Thielen. Now you look at Buffalo; defenses are going to have to know where Diggs is at all times, and then you still have John Brown, who, as you said, coming off a career year. Cole Beasley, in some areas of his game, is coming off of a career year. In terms of wide receiver trios, I'm hard-pressed to name two or three units that are better than Buffalo's. I just think that by the end of the year, they might have the top starting three in the entire NFL, and that's that blows my mind considering, like you said, where we were in, in 2017 when you mentioned some of the, the greats that were on that roster. <laughs> and Don't forget Andre Holmes either, uh, who I still remember there was one guy on Twitter who was always like, Andre Holmes should be the number one wide receiver. Just give him the opportunity. No, it it was not meant to be, my friend. Uh, So they've come so far. Now, I have a confession. I'm still a Robert Foster truther. I am still out here believing we can see some of that end of 2018 form, and he can end up being wide receiver number four on this team. When he was on at the end of 2018, there were a few receivers better. And, yes, there was no film on him. Yes, the Bills weren't playing for much. Uh, but he showed he could create separation. He had some chemistry with Josh Allen. If you're just asking him to be wide receiver four, and now this is his third year in the system, I think he's capable of doing it. And as much as I like Isaiah McKenzie, I think that he can do everything Isaiah McKenzie can do and bring more to this passing offense. So a guy like Robert Foster could do the end arounds. He has that speed. He can, he can be that quick, you know, get him out, get it to him quickly and let him get out in space and do it. But you can also stretch the field with him. He has two rookies, uh, Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. Davis is a lock to make this roster. I'd be surprised if Hodgins doesn't, but he is a day three pick. It's possible the Bills try to sneak him onto their practice squad, Um, but I I think they're both there. You mentioned Andre Roberts, um, and and then that leaves guys like Duke Williams, the guy that was targeted more than any other player in that playoff game on the outside looking in. So that even says something about how far they've come from one season ago in terms of what their expectations are what this talent is so are they as deep as the defensive line no absolutely not but the superstar value of digs and then the two and three that this team has had me bump them up to number two just because like i said you actually said it there's no more excuses for josh allen because what else could you ask for than a starting trio like that if he can't succeed with this starting trio I'm not saying the bills would go back to the drawing board for a quarterback in 2021, but by 2022, that may be the case right now. This is an elite unit going on paper, going into the 2020 season.
1: Very well said. I was just kind of sitting back and enjoying uh, your rant. There It was very good stuff. I'm I'm with you on Robert Foster. Let me ask you this though, a little sidebar. You mentioned in your offensive line preview, by the way, go check it out at Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. It's up on the site. We put out our cornerbacks or our defensive backs one today as well. But you mentioned all of the trade bait um, at, at the offensive line position. We know that Brandon Bean likes to be a little bit, uh, you know, mobile with <laughs> as leading up to the regular season with his, uh, with, his dra- uh, with his players and maybe recouping some draft picks. Let me ask you this about Robert Foster. What say you if a team comes that maybe loses a receiver that needs a speed outside threat comes to Brandon Bean and offers a fourth round draft pick?
0: Would you move Robert Foster for that? I drive him to the airport for a fourth round pick. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like I, I'm a Robert Foster. And I'm sorry, Robert, if you if you do end up listening to this, but that's that's a high value for a, a guy that you signed as an undrafted free agent, and yes. He was unbelievable at the end of 2018, but yeah, fourth round pick. No doubt in my mind, I'm packing the bags. I'm, if he doesn't want to fly, I'm getting a U-Haul, biggest size possible. I'm, you know, I'm paying for it. So absolutely. And the thing about
1: this funky training camp and preseason is, you know, this is a, this is a period where a guy like Brandon Bean, who's already super um, active at all times of the year could really feast because there's going to be, a lot of teams that, you know, probably lose a, lose some players or maybe some players show up and they're not in shape or they're not they're not performing at the level they wanted to. And a lot of, like, you know, contenders are getting a little bit worried. And the Bills have crazy depth. They have so much depth that it's a shame for guys like Isaiah Hodgins and Dane Jackson and, um, you know, Christian Wade to a lesser extent. I still think that he needs another year, and I think that, the, you know, if, if there was ever going to be a, a coronavirus season, this is a good one for for Christian Wade where he still has that exemption. Uh, but guys that were going to be fighting for a roster spot, you know, they're going to have an uphill battle with all the depth that the Bills have acquired. So I think this could be a really um, fruitful uh, training camp and preseason for Brandon being the deal maker.
0: No, I agree. And another young guy like a Daryl Johnson, he mentioned with the defensive line. It, it's almost a shame that there may not be a preseason because you're not going to see your starters out there often. You might get one series if there ended up being the two games or the one game, it was going to be backups. And if a guy like Daryl Johnson flashed, maybe the bills would consider keeping him. But more importantly, other teams would see that. And if there was an injury or if they needed depth, he could have been a guy that they would have said, you know, we'll send you a day three pick, maybe a late day three pick for this player. And again, that's something Brandon Bean loves to do. So, gonna there might be some players that the Bills aren't able to trade because there may not be a preseason. So it, it could end up working both ways. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Bean does pull off a few deals before the start of the 2020 year.
1: All right, power rankings have arrived at number one position group on the Buffalo Bills entering the 2020 season. And this one, I think everybody knew going into it. that We knew, we knew where we were going here. This, the defensive backs, all pro Tredavious White, uh, maybe the most disrespected safety duo in the league, and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and then a whole bunch of interesting options and depth. Uh, we'll dive into it a little bit here, but give me your first thoughts on, you know, this this unit as a whole. I mean, I tweeted out the article, uh, just did the preview here, and I said, listen, it's it's not really up for debate that this is the strength of the Bills team because it it goes deep, and at the top, y- you're talking about maybe. The best cornerback, the second best cornerback in the NFL, I think it was um, Brian McFadden was recently on the Pick 6 podcast, and he said that Tredavious White is his third cornerback in the league behind Stephon Gilmore and Jalen Ramsey. And I think there's an argument to put, put White over Ramsey. So he's definitely in the conversation up there. I mean, this is a really talented group.
0: Yeah. First, I'm going to go on a little rant here, first of all. It, you know, Jalen Ramsey is a very good player. But let me tell you something. This guy is living off of name value more than anything, and it drives me nuts. This happens all the time, and, and the Bills benefited from it in the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s with Reuben Brown. By the end of Reuben Brown, I felt like he was in the Pro Bowl like every year. Uh, he was not the same player that he was early in his career when he was dominant, and he deserved it. And I think Jalen Ramsey is still living off of that talent that he showed in college, and he's flashed times. There's a reason. That Jacksonville ended up moving him, and, yeah, some of it was he played his way out of there and he he forced his way out. But if he was truly that player that he thinks he is and that some of these people in the league think he is, then Jacksonville would have forked over a a truckload of money to keep him. I don't think he is at that level that a lot of people say he is. Top five, absolutely, no doubt about it. I'm fine with that. But don't put Trey White behind him. Trey White is a top-two corner in this league. Now, defensive backs on the Bills, you said it. Elite, number one cornerback, Trey White. Probably a top three to top five safety duo in Hyde and Poyer. You have three guys vying for that number two cornerback job that there's question marks about all of them in Levi Wallace, uh, in Josh Norman, in EJ Gaines, but they're all capable players. But again, it's the depth. It's the Taron Johnson in in that nickel spot. It's Saran Neal, who I think is in for a big year as, as the big nickel. It's Jaquan Johnson that if the Bills didn't end up, you know, uh, tinkering with Jordan Poyer's deal, I thought Jaquan Johnson could have stepped in sooner rather than later and played a big role as, as a starter. That's the, I think he has a high ceiling for this team. So there's a lot of talent and depth there. And, and so when you take the elite top half of it and you say all that depth that they have behind it, you mentioned a guy like Dane Jackson who – probably could make a lot of rosters in this league as a seventh round pick. He's going to have a hard time making this roster um, because there's just so much overall talent on this unit.
1: Definitely. And I think that 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 inside uh, nickel corner spot is such an interesting one because you have two guys now, established guys, experienced guys, not only in the system, but now with two seasons worth of NFL uh, experience under their belt, that really could take this defense to the next level. We spent so much time talking about this in the offseason about the big nickel, and there were some really interesting options in the draft. Kyle Duggar, who we both were very high on. I think we both had him to the Bills at, at various times. You know, the Bills didn't address the position, and I think a lot of that has to do with what they believe they have in Saran Neal. And not only that, like when you got a guy that's like that big nickel, big hitter, uh, physical presence, great tackler, but also, you could send him to the outside and have him play you know, right or left cornerback To in a pinch. I mean, the depth and the position flexibility at this position is unreal. I, I think that the, the consistent disrespect for Tredavious White, while fans are probably have had their fill of it, I would say if you're a fan, ask, ask for more of it. Because I think this is the kind of thing that fuels Trey White. I mean, every time this guy gets slighted, it, it, he likes the tweet or he makes a note of it and he and, and he puts it in the bank, whatever that bank is in his head, where he goes to, to fuel him during the season. I mean, Leslie Frazier said it a few weeks ago, nobody works harder than the guy. He's in the building all the time. He's up, he told us last year when he got voted defensive player of the week that his He's a, he's a great dad in the offseason, and he's got a great wife during the season because he lets him just focus on football all the time. And that's what allows him to be so great at his craft. There's, there's nights where most people are probably sitting around watching movies, playing video games. This guy's in the lab just absolutely um, breaking down every aspect of that receiver or opponent that he's going to face that week. So that's what the Bills have. The, there's a big, looming um, – uh, contract uh, on the horizon here with with Trey White and that's going to make things very interesting but another guy I want to make a note of and it goes back to this whole Carolina connection that we've talked about all offseason that I think is so interesting and and such a underrated and under discussed piece of all this is a guy like Dean Marlowe who I think is such a important cog in the wheel he's that veteran guy that can play he can play the big nickel he can play both safety positions he's got versatility he's got knowledge of the system going back to Carolina he played with Josh Norman in Carolina he goes back that far so he's a guy that I think for Sean McDermott he relies on these types of players and 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 that goes to your point about the depth of this position group guys like Dean Marlowe that nobody even thinks about because of the star-studded Um, lineup uh, that they send out there I think really make this position group really the best in the team.
0: Yeah I I agree and like you know a guy like Marlo flies under the radar just because there's so much talent and depth there that uh, you you don't want to say you don't think about him but it's just unbelievable the amount of talent that Brendan Bean has brought in here and yeah a lot of it is the Carolina connections here and there Uh, but the roster building that has been done from 2017 to now and the faith that they had in Trey White to be their number one corner, and I, I know Bean wasn't here for that draft, but for, for Trey White to be their number one corner from the second he was drafted because RB ends up getting traded. So they know what they want in a defensive back, and they've proven time and time again that they, that they can hit on that. Jordan Poyer, going back to Poyer, when he signed that contract, the initial contract with Buffalo, some people were taken aback by it because he was coming off of a serious injury with the Browns. There wasn't a ton of film on him. And they're like, man, this guy was signing, you know, for, I think it was 4 million on average, I I believe, or maybe it was three, maybe it was, um, but either way, it was more than some people thought. It was announced at the same time as the Micah Hyde deal, but the bills knew exactly what they were going to get in him. And they said, this duo can work and it has worked. So if if there's one position and and there's many positions where you can have faith in the, in the bills front office right now, but if there is one position that if the bills make a signing, they draft a guy and you should just say, okay, it's going to work it's defensive back position because Brendan bean and Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and this goes on and on absolutely know what they want in a player. They target it, they get it. And then those players produce to varying levels, but they they all end up producing for the bills.
1: All right, guys, there you have it. Our uh, power rankings uh, by position. We're set to get going with training camp next week. We believe that signs are pointing uh, toward, yes, we got uh, the NFL offering no preseason games, daily testing for the first two weeks, uh, longer acclimation period. So I don't even know what training camp is actually going to look like because uh, Ian Rappaport actually just reported that um, with the NFL's latest ramp-up proposal, We're looking at testing and physicals for the first five or six days, strength and conditioning and walkthroughs through day 12, off day, day 13 helmets on day 18, and the pads don't go on until the 20th day of training camp. So, you know, one of the big portions of training camp that we get to talk about is, you know, once those practices start. So we still got about four weeks before that's probably going to happen so it's going to look a little bit different but it's the safe way to do it and the, the slow ramp up to hopefully giving us a season uh that we can talk about over the next four four weeks four yeah, months abs-
0: yeah absolutely safety is the most important thing right now especially that early testing as they get positive results there that's going to be the the, the first domino in terms of the season taking place so that's that should be the thing that fans are looking for most. Is waiting for those testing results to see how it goes, and we are seeing some positive results in other leagues. So hopefully, the NFL, without their bubble, can have similar success.
1: This is Shout, a football podcast on your Buffalo Bills. Find it on all of your applications where you listen to podcasts. Subscribe if you haven't. Thanks for listening. Leave us a uh, a review, a rating if you liked it, and we'll be back with another live show on Wednesday and. We're back and ready to go. We'll have live shows now uh, throughout the season here as we move forward. Uh, we'll see what those look like. We'll still, we're still going to aim to bring you guys uh, great interviews and guests, uh, but there will be a lot of Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino all the time. Uh, shout out Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're out of here.